0: step the longest march can be won can be won many stones can form an arch singly none singly none and by union what we will can be accomplished still Drops of water turn a mill Singly none, singly none Step by step the longest march Can be won, can be won Many stones can form an arch Singly none, singly none And by union what we will can be accomplished till drops of water turn a mill, singly none, singly none.
1: Welcome. Welcome to Arts Live and Local. Local it is, and who knows, live it may be. Very soon, we're hopeful, maybe even today. But right now, I'm here with you. This is Carol. Got some fabulous guests. And... uh, wanna tell you that that song, Step by Step, which many of us know from many different places, I've taken it from the uh, Pete Seeger, If I Had a Hammer album, and that's to help commemorate May 1st, Workers' Day. And uh, these words are actually based on the preamble To the 1863 Constitution of the American Mine Workers Association, who knew? And um, the tune was adopted by Pete Seeger and Waldemar Hill from the the Praties. They grow small, an Irish song about the 1840s famine that led to the great wave of Irish emigration to the U.S. That might be um, a good song for my first guest. But before I get to him, I uh, want to dedicate this show in addition to my always healing wishes and healing for all the people in the world suffering from violence, wars, pestilence, man-made, and from anywhere else. I especially want to send this out to some dear friends, and uh, one in particular, Rod Nichols, very good friend of this community, of KMUN, of uh, food, and always behind the scenes, always gracious, and kind, and loving, and Rod died this past week way too young, so we will all miss him, and we send healing to all of his beloveds, family, and friends. And also to Gwen and family for KMUN's Robert Brake, who was once a board member, and you hear his essays on Michael McCusker's program on Thursday morning. Robert died in March. And also to the mama of Sue. And then I have some happy birthday wishes, including this very tomorrow. That is almost today. Sue Skinner, happy birthday. We love you. And Maddie, Maddie Main, happy birthday to you, both of them tomorrow. And coming up this week, our good friend Lori, Lori C. And if you have a birthday this week or any day this year, happy birthday to you. So I'm going to bring in my first guest, who is, I believe, pretty well known to many local people, as well as people all over the world. I haven't met him in person but I feel as though I have because uh, Carl Marlandis grew up here and is prolific in his generosity of spirit. He's uh, going to be here in Clatsop County specifically as a guest of the Cannon Beach Library Northwest Authors Series next Saturday, not tomorrow, but a week from tomorrow, at the Coaster Theater. Not at the library, although they're the sponsors, but at the Coaster Theater. And um, next weekend is huge. It's the spring unveiling. So there are going to be lots of activities in Cannon Beach. So, good idea to be there for all the art and music, and at 2 p.m., although I advise you to get there earlier because it's first come, first serve, uh, at the coaster. So let me welcome o- author Carl Marlantis. Hi, Carl. Hello. <laughs> You've been waiting a while, I know.
2: I'm, I've been waiting, with to the and, and uh, it, 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 so, yeah, Yeah. Uh,
1: Good. I'm glad you could hear it. Yeah. We, well, uh, you know, I'm glad you mentioned his name too, because in addition to Pete having a song for just about everything, of course, especially labor and uh, immigration and all those social justice causes, we right here in Astoria are going to be celebrating Pete Seeger. And that will be a week from um, tomorrow. Also, on the, sef- on the 7th of May, uh, a golden thread, The Legacy of Pete Seeger. And this is actually a benefit for the Charlene Larson Center for the Performing Arts. That's uh, a.k.a. the PAC. And you can go to partners for the PAC.org and get your tickets. And uh, we've been doing this for several years, but we had to take a break for the pandemic, kind of gotten our way for a lot of things. But we're back and uh, check it out. It's going to be a fantastic time with all your favorite local singers and uh, musicians. Well, Carl is not a singer, as far as I know, are you? No. (laughs) No. Okay. You know, I never know. I used to
2: sing on my paper out all the time. (laughs) There
1: there you go. There you go. Well, uh, you grew up right here in Seaside, went to high school, although I understand you were born in Astoria, so. I was. Yeah. North and South County. Um, But you've been around for quite a while, and you spent um, a year in Vietnam and then came back You're in the Marine Corps. Stop me if I get anything wrong because your biography is uh, pretty intense. Uh, and my understanding is that you came back from the war. and This was after you got a degree from Yale University, from Seaside High School to Yale University. Folks, let that be a lesson to you, and then you went off to Oxford, but you left Oxford to join your buddies in the Marine Corps in Vietnam. But afterwards, you came back, finished your master's degree at Oxford, and went to work. And it wasn't for, what, 30 years that things were brewing, and you finally yeah. wrote this incredible book, Matterhorn, a novel of the Vietnam War. So—
2: yeah, I love- Actually, it was, uh, I, I wrote the first draft in the late 70s. And oh, wow. uh, the, the, the issue was, I could never get it published. And, I, you know, the usual new author's um, <laughs> quest, you get query letter after query letter right. with rejections. And uh, so it, it took 35 years before it finally got published. And, and then, of course, you get it, it, the New York Times list. So that's that classic 35-year-old uh, old <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it hit all kinds of things, including uh, one quote that I read was the um, one of the most profound and devastating novels to come out of the Vietnam War but over those 35 years did you what did you do in terms of your feelings and thoughts did you rewrite the book in addition to sending it off to publishers, or were you, um, what were you doing? What were you feeling? And what did the well, book do for you? Yeah.
2: <clears throat> but, you know, the characters all matured as I matured. Uh, they got deeper, you know, uh, better drawn, I think someone what you call it. a. have uh, <laughs> to laugh at it. I, my, my youngest boy, I have five kids, and my youngest boy, is, 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 you know, considers himself sort of pretty literary. He, he, uh, he read, when he read Matterhorn's first draft, he said, not first draft, it was like the main draft, which this was like in the early aughts, and, and uh, I didn't hear from him, I didn't hear him. So I said, Alex, I said, uh, what do you think about the novel? He says, well, Dad, he said, uh, it's a pretty good effort, but your <laughs> characters aren't as finely drawn as Dostoevsky's. <laughs>
1: Oh, whoa. excuse me. Excuse me. How, how old was he? Probably about
2: 17.
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, your, your best friend. Yeah, critic. A bit. So, <laughs> yeah. but in terms of your
2: question, I mean, I went through all of the stuff. I mean, post-traumatic stress, I didn't have a clue what it was. I, my, my first marriage broke up. My first wife didn't know. We, we didn't know it hit us. And we'd never yeah. heard of it. Yeah. Uh, I was just doing crazy things. Um, uh I couldn't explain what was going on. Um, I was all over the world. I was sort of basically adrenaline-driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived in Singapore. I lived in Russia. I lived in the United Kingdom. I, you know, and at one point, my my oldest daughter added it up, and she'd been to uh, twelve schools in eight years.
3: Oh, jeez! Oh, so
2: my- I lived I lived a life that uh, yeah. you know is pretty common stress and all the while is working on the novel and i worked on a nonfiction book what it's like to go to work and mm-hmm. couldn't get that published either <laughs> but um the uh it, it it's i i like to tell people that writing is is really good uh, any art form is really mm-hmm. good, and you deal with the arts because the stuff that's inside i call it ghosts you know mm-hmm. the, the ghosts mm-hmm. haunt you that's mm-hmm what gets you the bar fights in the middle of the night or, or, or have you, you know, do road rage. These are things that we're unconscious of that are left over from trauma. Mm-hmm. But if you can get a ghost out in front of you by writing about it or drawing it or painting it or putting music to it, mm-hmm. a friend of mine, Joe Bobo, said, what you're doing is turning your ghost into an ancestor. Wow. It, it, the, the, yeah. the, 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 it never goes away. I mean, what what happened in the war or what happens to anybody who undergoes traumatic uh, events, that's part of your life.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That's it. It will never go away. But if you hold it inside, it will haunt you. You've got to get it out. And just talking to your wife or your husband, I mean, mm-hmm. just simple things to get it out in front of you.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: these are – we have a lot of tools for it, but most of us don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. But it's, You know, I mean, quite frankly, there were many times I'd be writing that book and I'd go, oh, God, I don't want to say that. I don't want to face that, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know. So it's it, it was good hard work. Um, I think good writing is spiritual work. You, you, you're you doing it right. You're doing you're growing.
1: Did you? Um, I, I'm looking to see. I wrote it down somewhere, but uh, what did you study when you were in school? Did you study writing or literature? No, I, no. I,
2: I was I studied economics
1: and okay. Uh, so I, so I, what Yale made you, and, uh, but what made you yeah. think that you could write? What gave you the confidence to sit down and write, even? Or well, was it you had you to You know,
2: write? I, I, I'll tell you, there were many times, because I got a lot of rejection. And mm-hmm. I, I would sometimes, you know, tears in my eyes, go down to a local bookstore and pull stuff at random off the fiction shelf and read it there in the middle of the night and go, like, I'm as good as this. I'm as good as this. This That's a, got published. I'm as good as this. I love it. And just, I just, yeah, I yeah. Just would compare myself, but I would go, yeah. it hasn't happened. You haven't, you haven't gotten the right publisher, you haven't gotten the break, or, wow. or the, the, the market is wrong. And there were thousands of reasons why, that I got back why I did the book. No one ever read it. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, no one ever read it because they would just know the subject matter, Vietnam War. Right. And they said, this is a non seller. We're not going to make it. Right. 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 Boy. You have to deal with the fact that. New York publishers are in business. I mean, they're great people, most of them, and, uh, and, and their, their heart is in you know, they, they like the literature, but they got to make a buck. Yep. And so, yep. you know, yep. you send them something over in the mail, and we're going to do this, and they go, like, I don't think so.
1: Right. another Another book on the old subject. Why do we need this? And boom, boy, I bet they were, kind of wiping up after (laughs) when they discovered what they missed out on. But meanwhile, I love what you said. You're giving real hardcore tips to people who may feel, I can't do that. I can't sing. I can't write. I can't draw, whatever it is. Um, Figure it out. I like that concept of going to a bookstore and pulling something off the shelf. So, that um, the novel was published in twenty ten, and then your second book, which was a nonfiction, uh, what it is, what it is like to go to war, uh, came out in twenty eleven, and then you took a break from writing for a while. Or how did Deep River come about? Because, needless to say, we locals. Especially, I've only been here 48 and a half years, but who's <laughs> counting? But um, for uh, folks who are generational here, especially from the Finnish community, they grabbed that book as soon as it came out and um, just th- were thrilled with it. So uh, I'm wondering, how, what, what brought you to write that book?
2: Well, I think it, it's sort of a love of where I grew up. Um, it, I, can, I mean, I always tell people this. It's like, I remember when I was a little kid, and I was in grade school, and in, in Seaside Central School was right on Highway 101. And when the log trucks would go by, the floor would tremble. I mean, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> one log per truck. I mean, they were big, oh, big trees. Yeah. And now there's like 40 logs a truck. I mean, mm-hmm. that's how much it's changed. And and I often thought about the irony of these are little people, 5 foot, 10 inches tall, maybe 6 foot tall, and they're taking out trees that are 14 foot, 16 foot in diameter by hand, yeah. 200, 300 feet tall. I mean, these are very, very brave people.
3: Mm-hmm. And they
2: came out and tackled that and, and uh, risked their lives to put, you know, put food on the table and did it day after day. And the irony of it all is there's no more old-growth forest. Yeah. We cut it all down. And I, and I just thought the central irony of growing up in Clatsop County. Mm-hmm. The the peak cut was 1972. Oh. And uh, so that was after I left high school. Yeah. But to, to sort of try and capture that. And then I also wanted to capture the um, the story of labor. And, and the, my grandmother was in the IW and she was a mm. communist and she was oh you know like that but I mean she made cookies I mean you know <laughs> she, made, <laughs> she was grandma she made I mean <laughs> I mean it, it, you know when you say that it, you say, you know she was a communist I mean she just saw it as a as a some way of you know she was very disappointed when when you know the Soviet Union turned it into totalitarianism I mean she was mm-hmm. an idealist mm-hmm. But she used to tell me about the old days you know and, and I had all of her her brothers were loggers and. I had stories from them, and I thought, you know, I don't want to lose those stories. I don't. I, I'd like to capture those. And then the other thing I'm a bit of a nerd. I was. Uh, I studied <laughs> something called Old Norse poetic diction at Oxford, and uh, oh. I, I did that on the side because, like I said, studying economics. But um, and I got interested in the Kalevala, which is the Finnish oh, yes. national epic. Yes. And I had this as uh, my idea that I would. I would like to. I'd like to bring the Kalevala to. The Northwest and just retell it there. Well, it didn't work. I tried in a lot of ways, but the Kalevala is a collection of songs with a, some with some repeating characters, and scholars believe that they were just probably very powerful sh- shamanic figures uh, from prehistory uh, that has been carried on because it wasn't written down until the Sweden and Långe did it in the 1840s, uh, and I realized I couldn't. Couldn't do that, but so. But a lot of the characters in that novel are actually characters from the Kalamata, and I just uh-huh. took those characters and mm-hmm. uh, ran them through the turn of the twentieth century and what it was like to be, you know, nice. in Pacific and Classic County. Uh, and uh, so, I mean, I just I, I had that in the back of my head right, right. all of years, uh, and I and I can tell you exactly when i mean when you said talk about what motivates a writer i woke up one morning probably in the 80s or early 90s and i had an image of my grandmother who used to look out the window at the columbia river
3: mm-hmm.
2: and like i said she was a you know staunch communist and you know didn't believe that you know she thought religion was the opiate of the masses and i
3: mm-hmm. and
2: i remember asking her once i said um well, you don't think there's any God, Grandma? And she looked at me, and she looked out that window, and she said, "The Columbia River is God." Yeah, there you go.
0: Beautiful. <laughs> and I
2: went. I woke up with that with that in my memory, and I went, "That's got to get written down." And so I had the final scene. And remember the final scene in, in Deep Rivers? I know, you know, looking out the window, mm-hmm. and that's where, and that. So all of that was lurking there in my unconscious for all those
3: Beautiful. decades.
2: And, and then the time thing—I mean, I, I quite frankly got got a little bit famous, so, you know, Ken Burns and and mm-hmm. uh, documentaries of TBS—and so I was busy making films, and you know, I not a lot of writing got done. And finally, I got got going on it again, and got it out in twenty nineteen.
1: Which is delightful, and uh, the weaving of all different aspects of your life, and it's especially precious for folks around here for many reasons, which you've just noted, but also it's a universal theme as we just heard in the song too. And uh, emigration, immigration, emigration, and what brings fresh. I love I love the image of your grandma, the staunch red fin who, um, yeah. who gave so many lessons to you. And, uh, of course, she wasn't. I doubt that she was around when you published the book, because you no, and I—you yeah.
3: was gone. Yeah. You and
1: I are exactly the same age. I'm I'm a few mm. days older than you, actually. Oh, okay. but <laughs> only only a couple of weeks. Um, so now on um, the seventh, Saturday the seventh you are going to be presenting at the Coaster Theater. This is part of the uh, Northwest Authors Series. I want to thank Nancy for keeping me posted on that Uh, and uh, sponsored by the Canna Beach Library. So it starts at two. Folks, I'm gonna say this, I may say it again, but please check your venues because Everything is in flux these days. At this point, the coaster theater is requiring vaccinations, and so just stick the piece of paper in your pocket or in your wallet or in your telephone so you have it. So the venues that want it, you can show them, and those that don't care, doesn't matter. And pack a mask wherever you go; Uh, it makes life easier. And again, Carl's a very popular fellow here, so. The um, talk begins at 2 p.m. at the coaster in Cannon Beach, but get there a little early to be sure that you can get in and get a seat and uh, get there a day early and start your spring unveiling. Boy, you're right in there in the middle of a whole festival, which is going to be wonderful. Carl, are you writing still? Do you have something lined up? Are you' gonna surprise oh, Yeah, us? no.
2: I, I, I sold the book to Grove uh, just a few months ago. And, uh, it's it's now uh, in the editing process. Uh, uh, the editor's just finished with it, and she's gonna probably send it back to me next mm-hmm. week or something like that. And then Great. we'll go probably to, you know one more one more draft, and I'm hoping it'll come out around October this year. Yes.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. So we have something to look forward to. Thank you, and um, you actually do make your home somewhere here these days. Yeah,
2: I we we've got I live I, I have two houses. One one uh, east of Seattle near uh, Duval, Washington, but we have a house in Cannon Beach,
3: mm-hmm. on, on, yeah,
2: on Jefferson Street. Good. It, uh, that's really home, you know. It, it it really is interesting. I mean, as soon as I drive across a certain pass in Pacific County, I go.
1: Right, I'm home, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we are thrilled you're home and also that you uh, discovered the power and the joy of art as a healer and a lifesaver, too. So, thanks so much for joining me here at well, uh, very much for having KMUN. Me. And we'll see you soon. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Again, folks, that's Carl Marlandis and he will be part of the Northwest Authors Series at the Coaster Theater, Saturday, May 7th. That's at 2 p.m. So, you know, you can do that, and then you can come to Astoria that evening and catch the fabulous Pete Seeger celebration at the Charlene Larson Center for the Performing Arts. Got some uh, music here right now. Let's see what we have for you. Oh, yeah. That's, of course, my one of my favorites. That's Ann Feeney. Yeah, Ann Feeney died a year ago. And we still miss her. We always will. But thank goodness she left us a bunch of music. And she was, according to Utah Phillips, the number one labor singer songwriter in the United States. So blessings to her. Um, my next guest is online, that is, on the phone, not in person. We almost started. We're going to be getting back to in-person visitors. I'm very excited. But uh, Kim and Kim, <laughs> whoo, Thumbelina. Thumbelina is here with me. That would be Maggie Wall from the Astoria School of Ballet, not just from the School of Ballet, the founder director, choreographer, and everything else at the Astoria School of Ballet, which is right here in Astoria, obviously, and they have a performance of Thumbelina on Friday the 6th, that's a week from today, at 2 p.m., and again at 6 p.m., and that's at the Liberty Theater, 12th and Commercial. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Carol. (laughs) <laughs> I guess we didn't work it out early enough to get you here in person. Next time. Next time. Okay. Maggie is a programmer here at KMUN. She does a beautiful show. What's the name of your program? And when Hear is it? Hear the Dance. Hear... Hear the Dance. Music for the Ballet. Um,
4: when is it and br- broadcast? It is on Sunday evening mm-hmm. at 9 p.m.
1: Okay. And... Um, music for the ballet, and that's because the Astoria School of Ballet is Maggie's. Maggie, did you ever do any other kind of dance? Um,
4: here and there. When you are training to become a professional ballet dancer, you'd need to have exposure to other styles. So when you go away to summer intensive quite frequently and often to in your own school at home, um, they'll offer, like, supplemental classes, like jazz and mm-hmm. modern. Um, and I never got particularly into those. I was always just a complete ballet nerd through and through. <laughs> um, but, I love but, yes, I've, I've, I have some experience. Not enough that I
3: could teach,
1: I don't think. But. So, so um, when did you, uh, when and how did you become a ballet nerd Uh, by the way i don't know whether you heard my last interview with carl marlantis but apparently he was a nerd too not ballet but um (laughs) he did he used the word so that's two out of two let's see what my next guest says but uh how did it come about for you um well i like
4: many kids my mom put me in ballet classes when i was three i was particularly shy Um, And she thought that that might help me come out of my shell a bit. Um, On stage, I never felt shy. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just became my thing just very soon after starting. Um, I think by the time I was 10, probably I decided that's what I wanted to do. And um, just I... Just I can watch ballet all day. I can watch the same ballet over and over. Um, <laughs> I used wow. to watch VHS tapes at home of Barishikov and Gelsey Kirkland and Farrell, <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. so and that's just carried on to my adult life. And now I have the ballet school um, for almost eighteen years now, that's and um, yeah, and I've been doing the ballet show, which is. Again, up my alley. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. And uh, tell us about Thumbelina, uh, who's in it. And usually each year, BC, that was before COVID, you choreographed a dance for all of your students, which I always loved. You had the littlest ones to the most advanced, but they were all dancing. They weren't just being cute. The little ones—they were part of a, of a real um, presentation, a real production. Which, since I took ballet from five to twelve, I so appreciate what you do with kids because I didn't get that. We didn't do cute stuff. Um, after all, I'm from New York, um, mm-hmm. but but we we never ever performed in a in a real production
4: yeah i um i pride myself um that that's what we do here on the fact that that's what we do here at asb um because the kids can handle it they don't need to be up there with like a sing-along song Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know um they 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 rise to the challenge um so this year thumbelina it's like years past we have the youngest kids up to the older teenagers um, performing. Um, It's a little different this year because in, like you said, B.C., before COVID, (laughs) we would host more than 2,000 students um, field trips to the Liberty Theater to come and see our productions. Um, But since we were unsure about field right. trip taking this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided to take it on the road. So mm. before Friday's shows here at the Liberty, we're actually oh. going to be going um, to three different schools.
3: Oh wow! Um,
4: and so we're taking we're doing like a little school tour this year instead of the kids coming to I us. I love it. We're going to them. Where, where so are you really going? Exciting.
1: Which schools do you remember? Which schools you're going to?
4: Yes, we're doing three performances at Long Beach Elementary on Wednesday. And then we'll do a performance at Valley in Napa on um, Thursday morning and a show at Warrington Grade School in the afternoon. And then, like you said, our two shows, our public shows, will be here at the Liberty on Friday.
1: Fantastic. Um, I'm so pleased because uh, I so appreciated bringing all of these school kids to the Liberty to see, in many cases, kids their own age up on stage doing serious dance. It might've been a fun um, uh, theme, but they are totally involved. And I think that's so important for kids to watch. So when I saw this, on Friday at two o'clock and six o'clock, I thought, oh, I guess no school kids. So um, I didn't realize you were taking it on the road. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Of course, for the um, children in our area, it is a big thrill to be able to come to the theater and see a gorgeous, real theater. That's a whole nother experience. Uh But this is not the time to have 600 children packed in an auditorium. And um, maybe next year or the year after, the sooner the better. That's what we hope. Yeah. But but for now, thank you so much for doing this. Now, how many kids do you have involved in this, and are you taking all of them to the schools?
4: So that's a good question. Um, we have – it's not a big um, – group this year. Okay. Uh, the total is twenty five performers. Okay. But for the school shows we will be um, leaving home the youngest yeah. three and four year olds. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of a lot for them to be on the road and mm-hmm. going, you know, from school to school at that age. Right. And that's a long day. So yeah. they will be happily performing in our public shows on Friday at the school at the Liberty. Okay. Now, but um, for the for the rest of the school shows, it's a group of about sixteen
1: kids. Okay, that makes more sense because I agree with you. Uh, not to mention the pandemic, which is still happening, folks. Yes. Um, so, and as I mentioned before, I'll mention again: uh, check your venue um, because each venue is got different rules and regulations, and they change sometimes daily, sometimes yes. weekly. So find out what is happening. You can get tickets for Thumbelina at LibertyAstoria.org. dot org, and again that is Friday night, a week from tonight, uh, and Friday afternoon, uh, two p.m. and six p.m. So they're nice and early, which makes sense when they have all those children uh, at the Liberty. Go online. Actually, Carol.
4: Yeah. Um, tickets are free. You don't even need to go
1: to the website.
4: Oh, just come on down.
1: Okay, okay. So get there earlier so that you <laughs> can get in, get the seats you want. Especially when you bring your children, you probably want to sit up close. And um, although every seat is good, uh, same thing at the coaster, and um, and at the pack, We've, we're, we're very lucky around here. But. Yeah. Um, uh, Friday night. Now, Maggie, how does it work? Are you still, um, your studios are still at the Liberty?
4: Yes, we are. We are, but we call the Liberty home. Yep. Okay. And We're upstairs on the second floor around the back of the building.
1: And if somebody is listening right now and says, ooh, I'm going to take my kids or my grandkids to this, um, and we might want to sign up to do some dance uh, with the Astoria School of Ballet. As you know, um, more there are more schools that have come online since you came. Um, uh-huh. in your, when you came, I think Maddox was the only one here, and then Astoria School of Ballet, and now there are a few more. But mm-hmm. how does someone find you if they're interested in learning about what you're offering?
4: Our website is astoriaschoolofballet.com. Okay. And um, there is a listing for summer classes, too, Mm -hmm. that's up there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a great way for people to try us out,
3: Mm -hmm. see if we're
4: a good fit for them. Because oftentimes um, in the summer, we do things, like, week by week. So you can take a class for a week, a little workshop week, and then um, decide, like, hey, that's a good fit for us
3: Mm -hmm. or...
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And
4: or my and, kid really loves this. We're going to sign on for the fall. You right.
1: know, what's the? So min- it's, a good, it's a good tryout. What's the minimum age? Three, three. <laughs> mm. Just like you, I didn't start till I was five. I guess I was kind of slow on the uptake, but and and I guess I kind of lost ballet. I think I've told you this when I, I was know. twelve and. They wouldn't let me go on point. I know. I was devastated, and that was it for me for ballet. Not for dance, of course. It's with me all my life, but um, not ballet. But I love watching it, and I especially love the way you have developed your program. It's very, very exciting. So, um, yeah, anything else we want to tell folks? Um. Anything else happening? I know you had that scavenger hunt. Yeah, we did that um,
4: a few weeks ago. We uh, had a scavenger hunt downtown. It was really well received. We yeah. had dancers in some storefront windows um, costumed yeah. from past productions that we've done.
1: I remember that um, from last year or two years ago, and what a hoot that was. Uh, just walking down the street and, and uh, seeing these dancers in poses. Just holding their poses. Some of them moved, (laughs) some of them didn't. It was just delightful. So it's a great idea.
4: Yeah. It was really fun. Um, And I think that um, I should mention too that Thumbelina is like the scavenger hunt was, it is very family friendly, Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Um, it is um, brief. It doesn't go on for a long time because since we are taking it on the road, we didn't want to right. um, over to it. So
1: right. um,
4: it's about 32 minutes. Okay. So great for kids. Um, and I think it's just going to be a fun little, not a little event. It's right. a big deal, but yeah. um, it's going to be a fun day of performances. Well,
1: what are you using uh, for music?
4: Um, a score, well, a, a mixture of music, actually, by Odorino Respiti.
1: hmm Okay. I, I, that's another thing you do that I, I enjoy is that you choreograph and you choose classical music pieces, usually, that yes. work with this, which is very appropriate for ballet. So I'm a fan of ballet. I think it's fabulous training uh, for your body and your spirit. And, um, yes, yes. And I applaud you for keeping the dot on uh, on track for eighteen years. It wasn't easy. I remember. I know, you and you've always came. been
4: such a support. Well, so thank you, too.
1: Thank you, and thanks for being a programmer here. Remember, folks, you can tune into hear the dance. That's H E A R. Hear the dance. Uh, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. on KMUN, right here. Yes. That's terrific. That's a great show. Okay, Maggie, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to seeing the production. Great. I can't wait to see you there. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, Carol. Bye. Okay, folks. Got a piece of music, and then my last guest is coming. Um, And... If you've been listening to KMUN, you know that um, we have a a benefit for KMUN coming up at the Charlene Larson Center for the Performing Arts, and that is the fabulous John Gorka. So I'm going to tell you right now, keep your eyes on this (laughs) Larson Center, because tomorrow is the North Coast Big Band, which is doing a... um, Benefit for the Larson Center. Then the seventh, a week from tomorrow, is the uh, Pete Seeger celebration, uh, Golden Thread, the legacy of Pete Seeger. And um, then the following week is this, and this one's this song is for me, because the name of it is. Procrastination Blues, John
3: Gorka.
5: I don't want it all, just what I have earned. I just want to make the most of my next turn get too much too soon and then they never learn to see it pass by I would give up my next meal and all the ones after that if we could ever strike a deal but I'm well aware of the limits of my own all gonna go the way that water runs some go a piece at a time some of us go all at once you need a big imagination just to fill up all this space where the wind blows steady till your clock has got a crooked face the hands of time seem to have a way of tearing up the place don't put off till tomorrow what you can fail to do today. Well, oh, the earnest thing is slipping, so won't you kindly look away? Ooh, 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 ooh. November skies seem to find a way of getting on to gray. Ooh, 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 ooh. Slow fascination, procrastination blue. Slow fascination, procrastination blue. Finish this
1: off as soon as I can tie my shoe. So if you're a procrastinator, I have a Ph.D. in procrastination myself. I don't know about the rest of you. But um, don't procrastinate right now. Go to partnersforthepac.org and buy your ticket, support KMUN support local arts, support your local venues, and get your tickets um, for John Gorka. And also while you're there, for Pete Seeger, and perhaps even for the Big North Coast Big Band. Right now, my last guest for today is here, and he's uh, one of my regulars. I like to say. Hi, Andrew.
6: Hi, Carol. Nice to be here. And wow, what an honor to be a regular.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's become a lot easier, hasn't it, being able to do it on the telephone. I'm not sure if that's going to last because I can't do it by myself. Thank you out there, Paul and Nick and Nevada and Graham and uh, all the people who helped to make this program possible um, even when no human beings are in the studio. So maybe you'll have to be start coming up to Astorias.
6: You know, I like being in the studio, but I'll tell you what, today it's, it's, it's certainly a pleasure to be on the phone because I'm – setting up this show we're about to talk about.
1: Yes, and this- sh- artwork
6: at this very moment, so.
1: A- and that's because it is tomorrow. It's not next weekend. My other guests were next. You are happening tomorrow, an art show and fundraiser for Ukraine, for Ukrainian children in particular, Sunflowers for Peace. It's happening at Tolovana Hall tomorrow evening from 5 to 8 p.m. And Andrew is the program director for the Tolavana Arts Colony. And um, Andrew, are you the main staff person there or are there others?
6: I am the only staffer, but we have a, a board of seven and then uh, a bunch of community volunteers.
1: Right. It takes way more than one person. But um, <laughs> yeah. okay, so uh, Sunflowers for Peace, tell us why, what, why? How? Everything. Tomorrow night. Sure.
6: So, <clears throat> when the, the this latest, you know, incursion into Ukraine happened, I ran into one of our board members at the grocery store, and she told me, that her name is Sharon Amber, uh, the renowned jeweler. Yes. Jewelry artist, and she told me that she'd been painting, uh, you know, and been inspired, and, and she was just, you know, she was just really feeling for the people of Ukraine. And we kind of just started chatting and together, got, you know, she said she would like to, you know, I was like, well, maybe we should do it. Maybe we could do an art benefit or something like that. And She's, she's you know, she started painting and we, we thought at the time we were like, you know, it, this might be a small thing. We don't know if anybody, you know, other than Sharon will donate, but we're going to do whatever, whatever it is that we can. And so we, you know put out a call got incredible traction like uh, you know we have a kind of at the arts colony we have a kind of familiar uh, community of artists and we heard from people that I've never met before people Ooh. you know' an entirely as well as some of our artists but you know I'm, I'm sitting here right now I have a uh, a collection of t-shirts that was sent to us from an original painting inspired by uh, the conflict and the Ukraine uh, Somebody from New York sent us a package of t shirts.
1: Oh my gosh.
6: You know, I mean, like we're getting things wow. from out of state, from people that we've never wow. heard of, never met before. So, so
1: h- how is that it's happening? It's been amazing. Did people put it on Facebook or something? Got forbidden. Yeah,
6: <laughs> face, the Facebook post got shared far and wide. And I, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. like, I couldn't believe we're getting things from out of state. Yeah. And, you know, and Beautiful. everyone is donating uh, these items fully. We're not taking the cut, the, the artists are not. Yeah. Getting yeah. Uh, a portion of the proceeds, the whole thing, is going to uh, Voices of Children.
1: So, so uh, where did you come—how uh, uh, do you know about the Voices of Children Foundation? Where did that come from?
6: Well, uh, we, Sharon, Amber, and her son took it uh, upon themselves to do uh, research about the possible uh, ah. charities. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, we came back with—they came back with a list, uh, you know, of, of five, including, you know— like. Ones like we know, like Doctors Without Borders and the Red Cross, and something about this one just stood out. Um, what What the history of it is? Uh, Voices for Children was founded in 2015 when mm-hmm. with the original uh, conflict over Crimea. So they've been right. doing this on the ground there with kind of a local, you know. Uh, I mean, it, it's a focused organization, you know, that's on the ground and has been on the ground. So it wasn't like they're getting up. And starting a new project. Right. You know, they they were already doing it.
1: But they um because I, I went to the website after you sent that to me, voices.org.ua slash E N. And yeah, that's um, the English version. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I figured, you know, maybe that would be the best for us. But um, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, uh, I so I read about it. And I was impressed, because I'm I'm kind of skeptical uh, mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. all these groups that jump on the wagon and, and yeah. the money never goes where it's supposed to. But I read this through, and I was very impressed. And so I was pleased with that, the idea of um, donating directly to people who are already working with children and families on the ground. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So that's good. And they uh, even do art therapy, this group. And so it's it's perfect. Could that be any better? Yeah. No, it's perfect for the um, Tolavana Arts Colony. Um, I'm also impressed at how quickly you put this up and how uh, word got out. Because um, a lot of people are feeling like they want, want to do something and You've given them this opportunity. I think that's why you're hearing from people in different places because it's not yeah, just. No, it, it, it's, yeah, I think I
6: think the you know the desire to do something bigger than ourselves and bigger than our community is, right. is, is strong right
1: now. And and for artists, often I found this when we were supporting Columbia Riverkeeper for the our struggle against LNG. Um, for artists it's sometimes difficult to send a check, or if it is, (laughs) it's a small check. Uh, But their work can be incredible, inspiring, and money-making for whatever the organization is. So this gives artists an opportunity to join it. So um, you mentioned (laughs) t-shirts. What Mm -hmm. else, um, what other kinds of stuff do you have there?
6: We have, well, I'll tell you, you, I have have three artists in the room with me right now. Oh, (laughs) wow. That are are being very kind to quietly uh, bringing their work in. Uh, We have a stained glass artist, a jewelry artist, a a quilter. Uh, Earlier, uh, I was, and he told me, uh, we have a sculptor, and his name is... Rick, and he said, Rick Crawford, Rick and he Crawford. said, I have to say hello
1: oh. to Carol on the
3: radio. <so. laughs>
1: oh, he's terrific. Wood. Uh, yeah. yeah, I know his work. But- he's been on this show, and uh, um, I have been to Tolovana Arts Colony um, functions before, and the work that I've found there has always been high quality, interesting, and the camaraderie is also very good. Um, I've not seen anything like this where you're reaching out so far, but um, thank you so much for doing it. I hope that this feeling of generosity and imagination that people are feeling to um, help the children and families and people of Ukraine will continue uh, long after this, atrocity. yeah, I mean,
6: and it's not you know, it's not just Ukraine. There's
1: exactly. Syria and all these exactly. other you know that we
6: shouldn't forget about.
1: And and maybe um, building on this model, uh, something can be done for other parts of the world, and especially when folks are willing to, like Sharon and her son Stephen, I think, um, mm. yep. go, go into it and do the research in, inclu- uh, in addition to the art. So mm-hmm. um, let's uh, let's use this incredible arts community for good in the world. And thank you, Andrew and Sharon, for putting this together and to all the artists. Now again, folks, this is happening tomorrow evening from five to eight at Tolavana Hall. Give us an address
6: please? 3779 South Hemlock. Okay. And, and it's, it's right at the, uh, there's a sign for the, the charter school and you'll pull in the little parking lot. Okay.
1: There. Okay. We'll be able to find that and it'll still be light out. So it's easy. Oh, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's much easier in the light. I do want to mention that the, apparently the um, Tillamook Home and Garden Show, is that Right? Tillamook? Did I get that? I know
6: that there's a, there's a similar yeah. thing happening down, down in, yeah. In
1: Tillamook, in Tillamook home, home and Garden tomorrow Show as
3: well.
1: is happening tomorrow from 9 to 4, and also Saturday from 11 to 4. And they're also featuring the actual sunflowers. It's a benefit for Ukraine. Five different mm. types mm-hmm. of sunflowers and um, quilt and other, other such things, so... Once you are, if you're from up here, North County, if you head south, you can keep on going or go there first, come on up, and um, let's put no, all of our good it, energies I, I would quick,
6: quickly add, Carol, we're also, uh, we've had some people, some chefs that are donating uh, Ukrainian dishes, so there will be some borscht and oh, uh, a, a yet-to-be-named secret. From the, uh,
1: <laughs> what about the, music? The, the
6: chef at the bistro in Cannon Beach is cooking up for us.
1: Any music? tell me what
6: it was, no. Uh, We're going to be playing, like I have a a Ukrainian-inspired playlist, but no live.
1: Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Andrew Tonry from the Tolovana Arts Colony, an art show and fundraiser for Ukraine, Sunflowers for Peace. That's the key word. Thank you, Carol. Okay. Be well. Take care. Uh, You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Okay, folks.
0: In the union's inspiration through the workers' blood shall run, there can be no power greater anywhere beneath the sun. Yet what force on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? But the union
1: makes us strong. Yeah, that's the labor unions can celebrate workers this Sunday, May 1st. Also, you want to dance around the Maypole. Sounds good, too. And solidarity with people all over the world. Thanks for being here. KMUN.org. Carol signing
3: off.